With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to this edition of Big Fish Small Pod, where here on Big Fish Small Pod, we give you everything about the Marlins for that particular day in 10 minutes or less. And welcome to this edition of the podcast. And welcome also the first time guest on Big Fish Small Pod. He is world famous for being JJ Bleday's biggest fan and the best Marlins beat reporter. Maybe. Mr. Isaac Azud. Isaac, it's great to have you on. Well, what an introduction, Daniel. <laughs> I appreciate the, the kind words. This is the first time that you and I have ever been on a pod. I know we do our live streams, but whether it's unfiltered or fishology, this is our first time being on a pod together. So a little milestone there today. Yeah, for sure. And, and speaking of milestones, um, we'll go ahead and talk about the best pitcher in the Marlins organization, or I should say in their farm system, Mr. Yuri Perez, who is having himself um, a heck of a week including just a couple days ago, going six innings, two hits, one on run, nine Ks. And the most impressive thing was in the ending of that outing, him going 100 miles per hour in the final at-bat of that game. Uh, what have you seen from Yuri? And is this someone that we could see relatively soon, maybe before the All-Star break? You know, when you say best pitcher in the organization, it's, you know, maybe not too far off. But um to answer your question, I think we do see him. It was obviously reported in the Miami Herald today that they are comfortable with the fact of uh, promoting him to at least AAA within the next week or two. And then I think beyond that, you know, late May, early June, I would say before June 15th, I, I would expect him to be in Lone Depot Park making his first career start. Obviously, we'll get to the specifics later about which game it might be, which series. So, you pl- so whatever fans would like to go out and watch it live can do so. But he's been fantastic. He had that little bit one crusty start in his second start of the season. But since then, he has been absolutely dominant. Like you said, holding velocity deep into games. In his last, what is it, four, his last four starts, he has a 1.23 earned run average, allowing a 413 opposition OPS. He's just been fantastic. He's striking guys out. He's not walking too many batters. One, two, swing and a miss. High fastball at 99. First trip through the order complete. Five strikeouts for Yuri Perez. 3-2 on the way from Perez. And the pitch to Lugbauer. Swing and a miss. Strike three. Breaking ball got him. The only thing you got to focus on maybe is just the lack of pitches in these starts. He hasn't gone over 90 yet. But you got to assume if he goes to AAA, they'll let him go out a little bit more. Maybe 95, 100 pitches. He hasn't pitched into the seventh yet. But I, I assume that that is coming soon. 
Yeah, we, we saw Yuri Perez um, in spring training and kind of got rocked um, in a couple games there. Do you believe when looking back on that, it's something to worry about Yuri Perez when he eventually does get the call up to the majors going back in that spring training? No, because, you know, even Skip mentioned is he this kid, 19 years old, 20 years old, going into a big league camp for the first time ever, trying to impress everyone, trying to throw 110 miles an hour. He had to face a tough St. Louis Cardinals team, if I remember correctly. Jordan Walker was the best player in the world. He ran into a into a hot spring training offense a couple of times, but he he did look sharp. They, he showed reason as to why he's amazing, and I would I would say he's got that on the back burner, and he's gonna be he's gonna be a little bit better than he was in spring training. Yeah, and you know here on Fish Stretch we like to do predictions and everything, and, and you know you you do predictions um, also. Do you have a prediction to where we might see Yuri? Do you have a series or, or do you want to give him a, a month or so? Knowing the Marlins, I would think they want it to be at home. That being said, I they did Max Meyer on a weekend series against Philly. I would say it's a little bit optimistic. It's a little bit soon, but it's possibility the weekend of the Oakland series, maybe he'll face JJ Blade, our good friend, or they'll <laughs> wait a few more weeks for the Pittsburgh Pirates series, June 23rd to the 25th at home. I think it'll be one of those home weekend series where they want to show off their phenom. Yeah, either going up against former Marlin, Digital Day, or future former, former future Marlin, uh, Brian Reynolds there. But yeah, all I gotta say that is if Lede takes Yuri Perez deep, <laughs> I, I will never, I will never hear the end of it. <laughs> um, um, you know, Yuri definitely one of the positives organizational wise for the Marlins. But uh, currently, the Marlins are two games under 500. We're recording this just a few hours before game two of the Arizona Diamondbacks series. And Isaac, from your point of view, just what do you think the positives have been so far this season? Because I don't think maybe that many people had them just only two games under 500 this deep into the season. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about positives, the first one you got to start with is obviously, you know, the only cycle in Marlins history. Luis Arise, he's just been as good as advertised, but he's OPSing 978. He's slugging 500. His, o his OBP is 469. He's just been the one only bright spot in this starting lineup. I think Brian De La Cruz went out, got off to a pretty hot start, and he went off through that horrible streak where he was just striking out over 70% of the time, you know, a matter of 25 at bats. So. He sort of slowed down, but he's getting things together again. Another positive that I really like is Jesus Sanchez really getting it together lately. He's got an OPS up near the 800s, which is something that we didn't even think was possible when he started the season hitting below 100. So offensively, those are the positives, unfortunately. And then the other positives you got to mention is the bullpen. You know, AJ Puck, Flora, I know they had a bit of a tough weekend in Wrigley, but it wasn't really their fault yet. Sloppy defense behind them, but boy, uh, the combination of Flora and Puck was Gabe likes to call it fluck. <laughs> oh boy. Um, they've just been fantastic. Getting a little Matt Barnes. The Noel Burger there. Yeah, right. Uh, I think <laughs> it was Kelsey Love that said that actually. But Matt Barnes has been fantastic. Uh, JT Chagua is on his way back. They've just got a fantastic bullpen that is just adding more as they as guys are returning from injury. Nick Enright and a few others. Yeah, um, I, I want to ask some other players, and maybe you could tell me if you believe that they're maybe affecting the Marlins positively. And one of the players have to be mentioned is Jorge Soler. Obviously, hitting 226, when you get Jorge Soler, he's not going to hit 300. He's not going to even get close to that. But he is OPSing 772, and he does lead our um, the team in home runs with seven, which is something that Marlins have desperately needed. What have been your thoughts on Jorge Soler? And basically, this is what the Marlins 
wanted when they gave him that contract a couple years ago. Yeah, like you said, he low batting average. He will slug, but most importantly, this year he's a presence again. It's sort of similar to how he was last year before he got hurt. But right now, he's hitting the ball much better, in my opinion, than he was last season. And like I said, he's a presence. He's a presence in that lineup, whether he's hitting fourth, second, or third. Major League pitchers are scared to, you know, give him something over the plate. And that's just important when you have Luis Arise around him, when you have Jazz Chisholm around him. They need to be frightened to face or to pitch to Jorge Soler, and that's what he's doing. Yeah, we're mentioning positives. I know I don't like to get into negatives, but it's something that we have to talk about. You have one, you have to talk about the other. Um, what have been your negatives so far this season for the Fish? I think the most surprising negative would have to be the starting pitching. Just not exactly getting deep into games and having to overuse that great bullpen that we mentioned earlier. You have injuries in Trevor Rogers and Johnny Cueto. They're out indefinitely. We don't know when they would get back. Johnny Cueto suffered an ankle injury in his AAA rehab start. So that looks like a bit of a step back. And Luzardo's just sort of been inconsistent. And you got Sandy, who's also been sort of inconsistent, but he looked to have right in the ship again and Wrigley, that amazing start he had. Edward Cabrera, when he's not walking a million guys per nine, he looks like he can be something, but there really hasn't been that surefire, you know, ace in the hole this season so far for Miami. So I think one of the main surprising negatives has been the rotation. Then offensively, you just look at, you know, Gene Segura and Avi Garcia, even Jazz Chisholm Jr. They've all all gone off to slow starts, but you know, you trust the track record of, record of Gene Segura particularly, and you you assume he'll be fine over time, but you know, at the same time, it's already May, what's the date? May 10th? May 9th. May well, 9th. Yeah. It's already May 9th. May 10th so, you know, I, I, think you give him, I think you give him until the end of May, and if, you know, still, if things still aren't going well, you gotta look yourself in the mirror when it comes to third base. Yeah, especially uh, pitching just has not gone well for Sandy and those guys, but they, they should uh, should to bring it up. But I, I want to bring up another position um, and, and using your vernacular, Isaac, not delish this position, which is the catcher position for the Marlins. Really? Just both guys have not gotten into just any, any like getting hot. You had Nick Fortes, who's the best hitting catcher between the two, but he's only hitting his OPS is 526 and you get to Jacob Stallings 336 OPS he's averaging one his batting average is 115 uh this is not good this is not even average this is way below average just for both guys especially Nick Fortes who we thought could take up more of the hitting role but has just not gotten to that start we all hoped for just Isaac how do we fix this catching position and is there really anyone that the Marlins can look at it's funny because the last two se- the last two major league seasons of Nick Cortez, he got into like this power stroke that I just didn't understand where it was coming from because in the minor leagues, he was not hitting home runs whatsoever. And all of a sudden in 2021, he's hitting home runs. In 2022, he's hitting home runs. This year, he was off to a dreadful start. The worst I've ever seen him uh, hit professionally. But then in the last seven games, he is getting it together a little bit, hitting 292. But that slugging is all the way below 300. So that sort of looks like the player that he is. Maybe, I think it should be a little bit better of a slugging percentage for Fortes. He is a strong dude. But since that home run on the second game of the season, Miami has not gotten a home run from their catcher since the second game of the season. They have not gotten a home run, which is absolutely uh, bonkers. You assume Fortes will be the main guy going forward, but I think there's no fixing this. They have no other in-house replacements for these two players at the moment. Who knows if Stallings will last the whole year? I assume he will, just for Sandy's sake. But it's a it's a really tough situation behind the dish for Miami. No matter how good Stallings is at catching Sandy, play calling, no matter what, it's 
He's got a negative 0.4 war already. He's hitting 115. Ugh. He's got six hits in 52 ABs. Six hits. I don't think I've ever seen a batting average that low. So late in the season, 115. My goodness. Would you trade for, for just any type of catcher sign? Someone, heck, maybe even Sandy Leon might even be better than what we're seeing now in terms of hitting than, than some of these guys. Just <laughs> Is there anything that you would do? Let's say you're Kim Ang. Well, what would you do to at least help out the catcher position? And if you consider trading for someone mid-year, which is very rare, you don't usually trade for some, for a catcher. You know, you usually like them to go through spring training with the rotation and catch all the guys before they go to the regular season. But if you were to trade for someone, you want to get someone that has history catching some of these guys, and Leon is one of those guys. But no, I, I don't think <laughs> she plans on doing that. Um, maybe they can give McIntosh a shot, but you yeah. don't really want to trust him too much behind the dish. Maybe just see what he can do with the bat and then go from there. But they just really have no other options. I think they got to play out this year with those two guys and Fortes and Stallings, maybe a little bit of McIntosh sprinkled in there. And in the offseason, they really got to figure something out. Yeah. Uh, before I let you go, the last um, point of discussion, I want to go ahead and talk about Sandy and just the way he started off this season with a 4-5-3 ERA, 1-1 whip. Um, has not really been the Cy Young player that we have all hoped for coming out of last season, but he did have a great start against the Cubs. And you could maybe put it on skip for letting Sandy go out there for that ninth inning, or maybe they just figured him out. Um, just what have you seen from Sandy so far this season in terms of really ju just him going out there and just the third time going around the order? It looks like he might have a lot of trouble there. And would you start maybe Fortes with Stallings? Would you think that would help Sandy in, in any way? I don't think the changing of the catchers would make too big of a difference. It's funny because when I look at Sandy, the stuff is there, the velocity is there. If anything, it sort of looks a little bit better than it was last year. I think maybe some of the new rules have affected. I asked Skip that after one of his starts at home this year, and he said maybe about the, the banding of the shift. And I think Sandy is a big victim to that. You know, he's used to having three guys on the right side of the infield against left-handed batters. And ground balls are going up the middle against him. Ground balls are going through the right side against him. And that's something that didn't happen in 2022. So I think that is something the Marlins secretly know. And they're just trying to, you know, do the best they can. But I think that is the main issue with Sandy because he's not a strikeout pitcher. He gets a lot of balls on the ground. And it's no shock that his ground ball rate is a little bit down. His double play rate is a little bit down. So I think he's a smart, he's a smart individual. A fantastic pitcher, and I have no doubt that he'll be able to he'll go back to some way, some form of what he was last year. Yeah. So with that, Isaac, I want to thank you for for coming on. I know you have a busy day, the one of the busiest reporters here in Fist Drives. But I want to thank you again for coming on, and you have an open invite. Thank you very much, Daniel. This was delicious. We can do this anytime. <laughs> <laughs>